Okay, very good morning to you today on the programme. We'll go back to that whole situation in Turkey and really and truly is working on, a, on an hourly basis over there. Today also we're looking at making an appeal on behalf of Madra. What about the mother? Today also we're looking at that injury indeed that uh, Damien Comer uh, has indeed and what is the future there. And also today on the programme we're looking and speaking about the fact that the former Taoiseach Bertie Hearn is ret- has returned into the Fianna Fáil family with the Connacht Tribune headlines and much more between on 12 minutes, including entrepreneurship. If you want to get in contact with us, 086 38 33 53 553. That's 086 38 33 553 with thanks to Rational Windows. We're with you right through until midday. A very good morning to you. Welcome into today's program. Well, yesterday morning we started talking about figures, and I'm nearly afraid to look at the news headlines to find out how many people have lost their lives at this stage. We're certainly approaching uh, the 20,000 mark in what has unfolded uh, in Turkey and in Syria. Miriam Donoghue is Head of Communications with Trokra and she joins me on the line today. Freezing temperatures uh, are deepening the misery for survivors of the massive earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Uh, Miriam, good morning to you. And it's horrific what we're hearing in terms of the increasing figures following those earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. Yeah, yesterday morning we started the program, they were at 5,000, or the previous morning they were at 5,000. When we come off air, they were at 7,500, and they're nearly 20,000 at this stage. And it's so sad, Miriam, to see the, the, the video footage coming in because there's very little anybody can do except help those that are there and, and are alive. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's absolutely shocking. It looks like we're going to be passing the 20,000 who have died, Mark, today. But um, the big issue now is second wave disaster. And what we're hearing on the ground is that uh, people who have been displaced from their homes, they're in living in dreadfully cold conditions. There's freezing temperatures. There's issues with uh, contaminated water supply, people getting food and proper shelter and warm clothes. And unless um, international aid increases and unless vital um, items get to these people and these, we're talking about it in the millions um, many many more deaths will happen in the coming weeks and Trocra we're part of um, and the Irish Emergency Alliance which yes. is an alliance of six Irish charities including ourselves Action Aid, Christian Aid World Vision, Plan Ireland and Tear Fund and this morning we've launched a joint appeal for the people of Turkey and Syria so we're, we're putting all of our might and our resources together to um, tap into the generosity of the Irish people um, and to get um, money uh, to our partner agencies on the ground so that they can supply uh, vital equipment, food, water, blankets etc to people uh, as soon as possible. When you say, uh, Miriam, a second wave, what do you mean a second wave? Are these aftershocks you're worried about now? No, we're not talking about a second earthquake wave, but a a second humanitarian um, wave where people who have been displaced, their houses have been demolished, um, they're now rubble and they have no shelter, they have nowhere to stay, they have nowhere to sleep, the conditions are so, so cold. So people may die of hypothermia from illnesses due to water contamination because we're now hearing there are serious issues with safe water supply. Um, So people just need very basic um, equipment 
equipment um, and kits so that they can survive uh, the next days and weeks until they can get back into some sort of uh, accommodation and into some sort of uh, routine and life uh, and, and life and that is the huge issue at the moment and that's why uh, aid is needed urgently um, to the communities in both these countries so that um, more people won't perish. And can I stay on the Turkish side of um, the border, if you don't mind, at this stage? Just, and I want to go to Syria then in a moment with you. But on the Turkish side, I mean, they, they seem to, as a country, be able to react very quickly. Yes, now there have been um, criticisms of the Turkish government that um, supplies and the relief efforts didn't mobilise quickly enough. But certainly it's a country with, you know, with some fairly decent structures and um, organisations compared to Syria. We're talking in Syria, it's the non-government controlled part of Syria, Idlib and Aleppo in the northwest and part of the northeast where, um, you know, that's a part of the world that has been desecrated through war in the last 11 years millions of people already have had to leave their homes and leave the country um, you know to, um, in terms of their safety and um, the structures and the infrastructure just isn't there in terms of hospitals road networks, supply chains etc and indeed there's only one um, border crossing between Turkey and, and northern Syria uh, but through which supplies can go across so the situation in Syria is going to be a lot more I think in terms of the response effort and the huge efforts that are involved rather than Turkey. But I was reading early this morning, because I was up quite early this morning, but I was uh, reading early this morning that that one crossing, that one border crossing um, since the earthquake, not caused by the earthquake, uh, somebody did some damage to the road that had to be fixed because they didn't want aid coming in from the Turkish side. And I mean, you've got the United Nations, you've got everybody there uh, trying to help these people. And then this happens. I mean, you're really dealing with a different situation in Syria than you were in Turkey. It's the same, but it, you can't give it the aid that it needs in Syria um, because it, it's impossible to get it in. They were talking about today uh, on BBC this morning, they were talking about opening a second crossing, but it nearly split the United Nations when that was suggested. Yes, at one stage, three or four years ago, there were actually four crossings and that was reduced to two and then that was ultimately reduced to one and it took a huge campaign, indeed led by Ireland um, when we were on the Security Council of the United Nations last year to ensure that this one crossing remains open and it remains open for the moment. So there is a whole different uh, political context there which indeed could you know, in, indirectly impact um, on the uh, situation in Syria but for now you know there are supplies getting across and it, it, it's vital that you know that continues to do so and in northern Syria as well uh, lots of um, aid agencies including um, you, you know partners of um, Irish agencies are actually on the ground in northern Syria there's a huge humanitarian um, response network there already and in place which is an advantage when we're a to responding to the current crisis. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it's a region of the world that's just um, been used to um, crisis for over a decade now. But are there adequate supplies getting over uh, the border into Syria? 
Um, at the moment, we hear, and I wouldn't be totally au fait with this, but there are supplies getting across. I think it'll be more um, evident in the days um, ahead if that is enough. And I mean, it remains to be seen if maybe by some political will, another crossing may open in order to ensure that more supplies go across. What can people do then, can I ask you, uh, Miriam, this morning? Well, look, the best thing that people listening this morning can do is to uh, go to irishemergencyalliance.org and to donate to this uh, joint appeal. Um, many people have been inquiring about giving goods, about giving food or blankets um, yeah. or clothes, but that isn't practical because if you can imagine trying to get uh, stuff like that, uh, get it cargoed and shipped across, it just isn't practical. So um, people can donate to the Irish Emergency Alliance and that money will be distributed through the six agencies who are either directly on the ground in Turkey and Syria or who are working with partners who are on the ground. So for now, money is needed so these supplies can be purchased and distributed. Can I go back to the Syrian side of things, Mary Madonna, and I'm not going into the political side of it, but we're talking about human beings here, we're talking about people just like you and I and human beings. Why is politics getting in the way of getting supplies in to help those people with this act of God or act of the environment or whatever uh, that has displaced them on both sides. Now, Turkey on one side, it's working okay, but it's not great for them. But on the Syrian side, why can politics not be parked on this and look at the human beings and the human loss of life? I think that's a question that could be asked about so many disasters and so many crises in the world. I mean, you can look at what's going on, you know, Russia, Ukraine, you can look at what's happening in Africa with the hunger crisis where food is um, needed and, you know, the funds aren't being delivered um, from, you know, the main global governments uh, to ensure that people don't starve. So I think that's just you know, inherent in, you know, the world and how the world operates. And yes, it is tragic to think, you know, that there are uh, human beings who are actually suffering and that, you know, something like um, a border crossing might prevent people getting the uh, goods and the services that they need urgently. But again, I don't think it's quite clear at this point today what the situation is at the moment. We understand, you know, there there are some supplies getting across and there are hundreds of humanitarian aid workers on the ground in northern Syria already. Um, and, you know, one presumes that they would have had a certain amount of supplies in situ anyway. So let's hope that politics doesn't um, get in the way of of, of humanity and, and, and of saving lives, as you say. I just think it's very sad. And in 2023, we're... You and I are leading a privileged life, me sitting in a, an air-conditioned studio, uh, you sitting in your office in Dublin. We lead, we lead this privileged lives, uh, these privileged lives, and you've got unfortunate people who find themselves in Syria, and they're living in a terrible, terrible conditions, huge loss of life, hunger, cold, everything. And politics could help if they just parked, parked the grudges that they have and got on with life. Yeah, and I think in the meanwhile, I think, you know, it's agencies like Trocra and the members of the Alliance and indeed other fantastic Irish aid agencies uh, and their teams on the ground, on the front line, who, who are there, you know, active 
on a daily basis um, making a difference to people's lives and you know the generosity of the Irish people always amazes me and and my colleagues and Irish people always you know you know step up to the plate in 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 times of need and this is a time right now this week when the needs are absolutely massive and needs are huge and as we all sit here in our comfortable offices or kitchens or schools in Ireland today yes our thoughts are with um, those people who have you know particularly in Syria who they've already suffered so so much in so the last 11-12 years yeah. and this tragedy has now befallen um, on them and we've seen some of those images those powerful dreadfully sad images in, in the media as well which really sort of sum up the, the horror that these people are going through. Listen if they want to so give me the best website to go to make donations today can I ask you? So, People can donate uh, to the Irish Emergency Lines at irishemergencylines.org. So that website and that donation appeals page is now live and it's uh, just a few clicks um, and people can um, make their contribution. All right, irishemergencyalliance.org. Uh, Alliance.org. All right, uh, we do have a local appeal here, Miriam, I'm going to give out where um, apparently the, the, the team in Turkish Airlines have said they'll bring out stuff from Galway and the Turkish community in Galway That's are looking wonderful for stuff. news. Yeah, but again, I wonder, is it the right thing to do to send out this stuff? But look, I'm not going to judge anybody. Everybody's trying to help here. Miriam Dunhu, thank you for joining us uh, today. But in light of those earthquakes we're talking about, the Galway Turkish community are putting out an appeal for the following items to help with relief efforts. It's going to be transported free of charge by Turkish Airlines. Uh, so they're looking for winter clothes, adults and children's sizes. Uh, their coats and jackets, raincoats, boots, sweaters, jumpers, hoodies, uh, pants, gloves, scarves, hats, underwear and socks. In camping equipment, they're looking for tents, camping beds, camping mattresses, sleeping bags, warm blankets. In the miscellaneous, they're looking for baby food, nappies, hygiene products and sanitary pads. And the items can be dropped in to Remzi, and that's the name of the man, at Turk's Barbershop on the Old Dublin Road next to Casey's Landis. And the items need to be in good condition, please. Turkish, Ireland, Turkish Airlines will be uh, shipping the items uh, free of charge on a daily basis to Turkey. Uh, thank you indeed for your help on this one. So again, if, if you want to donate in any shape or form or otherwise, pop into Remzi, R-E-M-Z-I is his name, at Turk's Barbershop on the Old Dublin Road in Galway next to Casey's Landis. And uh, the items need to be in good condition. Those concerned about forestry and the sale of land uh, to vulture funds and investment funds, stay tuned. There's a solution in the offing. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and Collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you. Now, very good morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. Uh, would you mind mentioning on the radio that there's a series of scam texts going out claiming to be from the Credit Union? Uh, the Credit Union will not send out texts asking members to click on links or asking for personal information. We just want to get a message out to as much as possible, as many credit unions around Ireland are experiencing this now. And we would hate to see a member uh, fall for this scam. Yeah, I, I know some credit unions have sent out emails in relation to this. Uh, so again, if you get a text from your credit union, go in to your text and just delete the bloody thing. Okay, just delete them. There's enough of scams out there, so there is at this stage. Now, though, I want to go to uh, Central Rona Mullen, who joins me on the line, because um, we've had an awful lot of discussion on this programme in relation to Quilcha and uh, what they're doing uh, to forestry in this country. And not Quilcha, sorry, <laughs> like Quilcha, 
um, what's going on with forestry in this country and the sale of uh, some portfolios uh, to the likes of Gresham House or otherwise. So Quilcher did a deal with British Investment Fund, uh, Gresham House, and it's expected to result in the planting of 3,500 hectares of new forests over the next five years. Um, but people were then concerned about ownership and all of that, and was it a sellout? Why Why were not members of the IFA and farmers in the in the uh, country of Ireland, why were they not given the opportunity to make this investment and plant these trees and otherwise? Uh, but Senator Ronan Mullen has put down a notice, notice of motion uh, to the Shannon. He joins you on the line today. And uh, it's, it's good news, uh, this motion. And um, good morning to you, Senator. Thank you for joining us uh, today. Good morning, good morning, Keith. Now, the, the, the main credit for this needs to go to my Shannon colleague, Victor Boyan. We, we're members of the Shannon Independent Group, and uh, we availed of private members' time yesterday to put down this motion, which I think you agree is timely in the light of the, all the talk that has been going on, particularly about uh, Quilcha and the, the Gresham House deal. Apologies now for the Shannon bell ringing in the background, but I'm staying in my seat here with you. Um, <laughs> but but, but, but uh, so, so, so the motion was accepted by the government. If essentially what the motion was saying, look, at, um, we, we have massive targets that we're supposed to be reaching. I think um, it, it was supposed to be the case that we were to be planting 22 million trees a year uh, from 2020 to 2040. Now, I would calculate that if you look at the, you know, the the aspiration that 70% of that would be coniferous and 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 30% or between 15 and 30 percent of uh, would would be evergreen you know with the need for respect for um biodiversity and so on that, that, that you'd be talking about about eight thousand hectares a year give or take so we're nowhere near meeting the targets that we've set for ourselves in the country culture has identified a lack of equity a lack of money as being the biggest issue that they face so it's understandable that they would be looking out for investors but i think what we've seen is that when it comes to land uh, when it comes perhaps to British investors in particular being involved in land uh, and all of the questions around, well, who will get the benefits of the yeah. carbon credits that will go with that afforestation, it, it clearly hit hit a nerve. So we, we hear a lot of talk about people putting on the green jersey. You could say that we're suggesting that we should put on the evergreen jersey here, which is to say um, propose that the government l- look at setting up a state-run national forestry fund to en- allow okay. Irish people, well, urban and rural, be investors in the future of our afforestation projects. Oh, come back now though, I mean if, if it's a thing that 22 million trees are sold on an annual basis from 2020 to 2044 there's nearly half a billion uh, nearly half a billion trees will be sold in that period of time. I don't know where they're all going to go but anyway, come back to the Well, that, yeah, I, well I agree and I mean it, it, I think a lot of people would be looking at some of the targets that were set in recent years whether it's to do with the amount of trees we're going to be planting or indeed the amount of electric cars we're supposed to have on the road by 2030 and wondering, you know, how the hell is any of this realistic, you know? And I can't answer that in one easy sentence. No. All I can say is we've about just under 12% of Ireland under forestry the target is to get to about 18% by 2050. Okay, and we okay. all know why that's important in terms of taking carbon out of the environment. Um, is, is, so I think everybody's in favour of more afforestation. But we're see, what we're seeing is problems with money, problems with getting it done, problems around where the money would be coming, what's coming in from outside. And if you talk to people, there's about 10,000 people working in, in the forestry industry. Huge frustration at the moment with, with you know, problems um, getting felling licences, opening roads. I'm told that there's, you know, a diktat from on high, say, don't be applying for anything. There's nothing going to be decided until July. So you wonder about 
people's jobs and all that context. So there's a lot of issues coming together here. But just go back now, though, to the notice of motion. So is the notice of motion that you have down here, what is it going to do to the British Investment Fund, Gresham House, when it comes to uh, taxation, Nothing. when it comes to uh, invoking the, the, the agreement that they have for the 3,500 hectares over the next five years? What does Nothing that, to be truthful. No, nothing, nothing. Because what is a motion? A motion is, 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 is an argument that is made in the Shannon. We put down this. We noted all the issues. We said that we're calling on the government to evaluate the benefits of establishing this state-run National Forestry Fund, looking at creating tax incentives for those who invest to try and achieve climate goals through ensuring biodiversity in the forestry that's, that's planted, um, looking at ensuring, I suppose, that the carbon credits coming from such forestry would be to the benefit of Ireland and not for, for these institutional investors who might want to sell them off to the likes of Microsoft and so on. But in the end, what happened was that the government senators agreed with the motion, so there was no vote on it. It went through on the nod. But a motion from the Shannon is not an instruction to the government that the government must follow. And even if the government was going to follow this, our motion didn't actually say anything about the deal that has been done. We're not looking getting into the nitty-gritty of that because if you have contracts that are in place, those contracts are going so to stay in place. So effectively, mm. the investment in question, um, which is coming from the UK and the deal has been done, um, that that investment is between Quilcha, the UK company, and there's nobody else involved in that. That is my understanding. And again, I am not holding so, myself out as an so expert the profits in this area. But, but, would, but I think UK. what we are... Sorry, one, the, the, one prof, the profits which will be maybe 40 years time that will have been ascertained from this project in say 40 years time that money goes back to this investment company in the UK yeah, well, we, yes, and again, without being an expert, I would I would imagine it is about an ongoing return to them. I doubt if investors are going to wait 40 years for the profits, but it's also about the carbon. You know, when carbon's offsets are, let's say, if you put land under forestry, you're taking carbon out of the atmosphere. That is something which the, the Irish state needs in order to offset against our own failure to reduce carbon emissions. You know, we, 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 we are buying carbon credits on the market. I think in 2019 or by 2019 we'd spent about 121 million purchasing carbon credits. So if in the context of such investment by outside investors, the benefit of the storage of carbon or the, what they call the sequestration of carbon, if that's going to go to outside investors as opposed to the Irish people, that's not a good thing either. What I'm saying is though, you know, being truthful about it, 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 it I would suspect that what is done is done in this matter. What we're hopefully doing, or among others, by putting down this motion, is putting a shot across the bows of the government and saying, listen, our, our future in forestry cannot be about outside investors. We, I'm not against private money, but we need to know what's the impact going to be on biodiversity, uh, communities, farmers, uh, smaller forestry businesses. Are they, How are they going to be affected by that? Isn't it time we talked about doing what has been done in over 50 other countries, which is to have a national forestry fund to allow Irish people people, urban and rural, to have a stake in our forestry future, to see it as an investment, see it like the, the SSIAs of, of a number of years ago, okay. to get Irish people taking an interest in you know keeping our own land as much as possible, investing in what we need to do in afforestation and taking the benefits for it ourselves as a nation. I think that is the preferable option and it's time we explored that. As I said, 50 other countries have national forest funds. Shouldn't our government be thinking about it too? So, 
the Shannon agreed this and it has every unanimously called on the government to evaluate the benefits of having a scheme like that, a fund like that, and calling on the government to publish a report on a model for the possibility of such a national forestry fund. By And they're supposed to produce this report by next September. So I think it's our job in the Shannon to keep the government's feet, foot, feet to the fire now and say, look, we passed this motion. Your senators didn't disagree with it. Where's the report on whether this uh, project um, has legs or not? A caller to the programme said, Keith, remind Senator Mullen that the ship has sailed. Forget growing trees as you would want to use your Holy Communion money uh, to make money from forestry. And going for a walk, all waffle, and that's uh, all waffle from politicians. Yeah, well, you know, if you don't start exploring solutions, you're not going to come up with them. I mean, you're you're talking about 3,500 hectares over the next five years. As I've said to you, we'd want to be doing, you know, 8,000 hectares a year anyway. So there's a lot of road to be travelled here yet. And if as a result of this debate and other debates about the wisdom of dealing with British and other foreign investors, we actually started up a project of our own with an incentivisation for Irish investors uh, to develop future um, our future forestry needs. Well, I think that would be a step in the right direction. I mean, it's fine and dandy to accuse politicians of waffling and sometimes it's justified, but if you don't start by waffling, you certainly won't end up talking yourself into the ideas you need to solve your country's problems. All right. Senator Ronan Mullen, thank you for joining us uh, today on the programme. Now, the decision by Fianna Fáil to allow uh, Bertie Hearn back into the Fianna Fáil party, and uh, we'll be looking at that next. Galway Tolls, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie. A very good morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. Bertie Hearn is now back in Fianna Fáil after leaving the party for more than 10 years. He resigned from the party in 2012 before Micheál Martin uh, moved to expel him following the publication of the Mahan Tribunal report. And uh, many have uh, welcomed this um, return to the fold. One of them is Deputy Eamon O'Keeve and he joins me on the line today. Deputy O'Keeve, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Keith. Uh, you welcomed the fact that he paid his €20 Euro membership and has rejoined the Dublin Central Branch of the party. Yes, and I don't think that what has happened should be exaggerated. There are 13,000 paid-up members of Fiona Fáil, uh, and you know you pay your 20 euro at a, a, a at a meeting, and that's the normal way of trying the party. I've been doing AGMs uh, for the last two months, and uh, you know that's that's how it works, and you you get admitted to the party, and there's no big test to join Fiona Fáil. Um, we don't carry out any uh, examination. No. When you ask about Bertie Hearn, I've been in contact with Bertie Hearn over the last 10 years. Why have I been in contact with him? Because of his absolute expertise in relation to the North. Yeah. And one thing that has struck me over the years, that no matter what side you refer to Bertie Hearn, there's always a very positive attitude towards him. And I know that he's kept up his contacts and done a huge amount of work there. And I probably know a little bit more than most uh, over the last 10 years and had has had a huge positive contribution uh, to uh, reconciliation. He can open doors that are absolutely vital in terms of uh, bringing the people of this island together. And uh, in, in that way, he is an incredible asset. And again, I mean, why was he left out then for 10 years? Or was it his decision just to give it a break for 10 years? Now, he was doing other humanitarian work right across the across the globe, so he was. Uh, well, I think it's, you know, I think one thing that I suppose 
was true that in many respects his reputation was much better outside the country uh, and he was sought after as you said uh, in other countries for his expertise particularly in the peace process uh, and that's just the way it was mm. uh, I don't know whether any time in the last 10 years he sought to join Fiona File. Uh, he obviously has sought to join it now uh, and I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be accepted as a party member. Now, it didn't come to the Orskhorla. I am on the Orskhorla. I'm a vice president of Fionnafai. It didn't come to the Orskhorla. So, obviously, the leadership of the party uh, decided that any more than any person who applies to join, uh, there's no big, rigorous you know, examination. You pay your money and you're a member. Did Michal Martin not open the door in September for that application to go in? Well... Yes, I, I think that that would be true, and okay. uh, it was an indication. I think it was an indication that if he did pay off his member, he'd be treated as every other member is is treated, and that is that you pay your membership and that you would be a member. When I was talking to you early, the earlier this morning, uh, I said to you, "So this is does this open the gates for him then to run for Ars and Uk to run?" And you were quite emphatic and quite strong in the answer that you gave me. Well, the answer I'm giving you is I don't think people should uh, take implications out of this that aren't there. Uh, and Michael D. Higgins is the president. That will be run you know, off in two years' time, I think, his uh, Turn, uh, yeah. 2020. So, you know, that's a different issue. Um, and that decision will be made by the parliamentary party, as always, when the time comes. And you know, I don't know if Bertie Ahern is any interest in becoming president. I don't know whether if he were to run for president, he'd get elected. That's a decision for another day. And one does not imply the other. And as you know, uh, we supported Mary McAleese. I can't remember what she actually, Fiona Fyde, member at the time, uh, or had she just joined before she ran. Uh, but she was an excellent candidate. Uh, lots of people thought that Albert Reynolds would yeah. get the nod from the Fiona Parliamentary Party and out of the blue. Uh, a lady who was known in one sense, but relatively unknown politically, politically and had yeah. never got elected to office, was picked by the party and it was an inspired choice, as it turned out. And she turned out to be an absolutely excellent president. Hmm. So you don't think that he would run for the... Well, well, I don't know, but I don't see any connection per se between the two. And I don't think there's some big devious plan uh, there that he would run. That's something you'd have to ask Bertie Ahern, is he going to put his name forward? And then you'd have to, to ask the Field of Parliamentary Party, as it will be at that time and it'll be after a general election, as to what they're likely to do in terms of selecting a candidate. Uh, and the other thing you have to remember is that the last two presidential elections, Field of didn't run any candidate. Yeah, but I mean, situations. The Mahan Tribunal is still in people's minds. It's going to take another another few years for that, for another generation for that to wash out uh, from there. What I think is popularity uh, in the country, regardless of the Mahan Tribunal, he could become president. But then, I mean, I know you 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 scoff at me when I mention your name, Bertie Hearn's name, and Mion Martin's name. Yeah. A decision has got to be made. You say you've. Well, you had never said you've no interest in it. But, I mean, a decision has got to be made by Fianna Fáil in less than two years' time if they're going to put a candidate forward. Or is it going to be yeah, independent candidates or a Fianna Gael candidate? Uh, yeah, I have a great belief in life because things change so rapidly in yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, I agree with the you. The unforeseen happens in every direction and 
people come forward you wouldn't expect and people who you would have expected uh, mightn't be available, mightn't want to run and so on. So speculating this far out, I think, is foolish. Who would have thought? You just think of presidential elections. Uh, everyone thought Brian Lennon had a really good chance. Mary, Ma- Mary Robinson gets it. Nobody saw Mary McAleese coming until very, very shortly before that election. Yeah. Uh, Michael D. Higgins was probably favourite... me. Gallagher was ahead in the poll. And again, yeah. Gallagher came out of nowhere. So presidential elections take on a life of their own and they really only become an issue you know, up to six months before. And you're often seeing it's not the early runners in that or the names being mentioned. And I, you know, I think if you look at the, the betting odds, I think it's Mairead McGuinness would be, uh, you know, favourite and so on. But you never know in, in, in this. And I think, as I said, people are putting one and one and getting 15, not three, not two, so, but so 15 I, together on this one. And okay. I, I think, you know, two it's a normal media reaction to a thing. But, yeah, uh, you know, from Eamon O'Keefe's point of view as, uh, a, a person who's at the moment elected, I, I always believe in crossing those bridges when you get to them and not, you know, okay. getting involved in idle speculation way, way, way before the event. Okay. The event. okay. I mean, the last um, election campaign turned out to be very, a very dirty campaign, and it was a very, it was a very difficult campaign. Um, again, I ask you the question: uh, Would, you, would, you, if you were approached, would you consider it? No, no, as you know, I, I, no I know you've the same flippant answer. Yeah, you've no interest in the president. That's fine. No. And did you say that you think Maureen McGuinness might go? No, what I'm saying is, I'm only looking at what the punters are saying, and I think mm. Maureen McGuinness's name is at the top with the punters. So I don't know if whether she has a, a notion of going. But I'm just saying to you is, there's a lot of speculation, and there's lots of you know names bandied about, and there's a lot of you know, if you go into the, the, and I think I very rarely do, but if you go into the betting uh, websites, you'll find, you know, put your money on for next president of Ireland. I'd say a lot of people will lose their shirt on that one. Your name won't be on the ballot paper. That's it. <laughs> no, no, no. Could no, we put no, your wife's no. name on the ballot paper? Fresh blood, female, driven. Uh, what other derivatives can I give you now? So... No, that's going to work either. You, that that won't work. So we'll just have to wait and see. Effectively, but I mean, look at he 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 does have a wealth. As of knowledge, I said, but I think we do. Long uh, way uh, yeah, it's not long. It's twenty four months. But uh, yeah, some comments coming in. Uh, well, it's, regard- it's a little bit more than that now. But anyway, it is. But look at look. I'm not you could add another six months to that. It's okay. thirty months away. And as I said, it really only becomes an issue four to six months ahead of time. Regarding Mark- we In the meantime, we'll have local elections, European elections, and a general election. And, you know, they're Who'll a much greater immediacy. Who will be where? Um, regarding Bertie, I smell a presidential election, so says Nula. Uh, to the program, I do believe, and Bertie Hearn should never be considered for any role after what he did to this country. And another caller said, "Amen." And uh, this uh, caller said, "I off the rails altogether." Uh, who's going to be president? Who'd want that job anymore? This caller said, and uh, other calls just come in like that as well. We won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, obviously, there will be people who are willing to take on the job as president, um, and the campaign is difficult. Uh, the job, in my view, is quite a difficult job. You have to be 
uh, obviously articulating the views of the people, but you are fairly constrained in other ways. So it's not an easy job. Uh, Michael D has done it well. But is it a job that's important to Ireland? Yes, yes, I would say internationally and nationally, the job of president is very, very important and it has given, given great stability in the country. And if you just look back over the presidents I mentioned, Mary Robinson, Mary McAleese, Michael D. Higgins, I think they've all added to the stature of Ireland nationally and internationally. And I think the country would have been poorer if people like that hadn't represented the country and if we didn't have that office. I do think that Michael D. has been uh, quite vocal and hasn't held back, perhaps has upset some uh, government departments. Um, Mary McAleese did um, toe the line uh, and then spoke out afterwards uh, when, when she had left office as to the constraints that were on her as well. Uh, but Michael D. did not hold back uh, his thoughts at all. I mean, he, he continued to express his thoughts, whether, whether it was housing or otherwise, he continued to express his thoughts. Yeah, you can't make government policy. Obviously, you can express concerns yeah. about major social and national issues. Uh, and I think that's perfectly legitimate. Well, who would the people of Galway like uh, that are listening to us? Uh, who would you like to be your president? Uh, let us know, please, to our uh, um, WhatsApp number and text number 86 uh, 3833553. For the fun of it, let us know who you'd like to be your president uh, from there. Deputy O'Keefe, thank you for joining us uh, today and we'll, um, can we just take him off the bettons, uh, John, if you don't mind, to, off the betting slip that we have out there. I don't know what book he was going to go today to put down the bet, Emil, but your name is off it uh, today, so it is. Listen, thanks indeed for joining us uh, today on the programme and a very good morning. That's Deputy Emil O'Keefe joining us. Short commercial break for news, we're back just after these. Galway Talks in association with Tesco. Click and collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you. Now we're heading to the 10 o'clock news, but can we remind you again, if you want to help those unfortunate people in Turkey, the Gulba Turkish community are putting out an appeal for the following items to help with their relief. So it's coats and raincoats and boots and sweaters and pants and gloves and underwear and socks and camping equipment like tents, camping beds, camping mattresses, sleeping bags, warm blankets and miscellaneous. Uh, they look for baby food, nappies, hygiene products, sanitary pads. They can be dropped into a, a man called Remzi, R-E-M-Z-I, a Turks barbershop on the old Dublin road next to Casey's Landis. And uh, they need to be in good condition. And Turkish Airlines will be shipping items free of charge on a daily basis uh, out of Ireland. Now, can we also, with a special thank you, by the way, to... Um, rationale windows and uh, if you've got an opinion or you have a thought process on who should be uh, the next president of Ireland get in touch with us here on Galway BFM on 086 38 33 brought to you by rationale Scandinavian windows creating bespoke modern and energy efficient alu clad windows and doors so do so straight away and we also need you to text that number, uh, 086 uh, Who means the world to you? Your boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, your mum, your dad, your best bro- your best friend, your brother, your sister, uh, the fella you're having, the, the row with currently. It doesn't make any odds. But who would you be lost without? So to mark Valentine's Day this year by giving that someone special in your life a token of your regard and love. So throughout Monday, we'll be giving away beautiful bouquets and a men's uh, voucher as well. So if you'd like to enter or draw, you can register now. So you text, um, to enter, you text or WhatsApp the word love, L-O-V-E, your name and the name of the person that means the world to you. Tune in on Monday morning's programme to see who wins. And we have a special Valentine's treat to be won as well. It's a one-night 
B&B for two people at Galway's Hidden Gem, which is Moycarn Lodge and uh, Marina at Port Nick there in Ballinasloe. Beautiful location. And all entries going forward for a Valentine's, Valentine's Day draw. So you'll have two chances uh, to win. So text LOVE. Uh, your name and the name of the person that means the world to you. One winner per show selected on Monday the 13th and all entries that uh, we receive go in uh, to Tuesday's draw for that uh, two night, for that one night stay at uh, Moycarn Lodge. So text the word love um, for that if you don't mind. Uh, don't forget to tomorrow morning we're going to be um, in Hedford in County Galway and in Hedford we're going to be talking to a lot of people uh, tomorrow so what you need to do is get to Hedford good and early and uh, we'll be talking to the likes of PJ Walsh, uh, Carmel O'Malley and others So we will down there. And uh, PJ will be there. It'll be an introduction to Hedford from past times to present day. With PJ Walsh, Carmel O'Malley, Tom Joyce and uh, Paddy Fahey. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, St. Patrick's Day and the floats that they have there. Uh, we'll be looking at a bus survey that they did with the uh, problems that are affecting the Hedford area and the hinterland from there. Uh, we'll be looking at the new Hedford community from Mayo uh, to Brazil as well. Uh, so we'll be looking at that uh, tomorrow morning. And also on the programme tomorrow we'll have um, an Achievements Award. We're joined by Angie O'Neill and Kevin Moran. And um, they've achieved an awful lot as young people in life. Uh, Margie McNamara will be joining us from the school in Hedford, as will John McHugh. So we're coming to you live from St. Forrest's Hall, uh, just in the centre of uh, the town there. So what you need to do is get there good and early. We'll be there about 20 past eight. And we're going to have music then from the Beryl family. And uh, we'll have um, a, a, the saxophone player with the Galway uh, Saw Doctors will be joining us. Matt Cunningham will be a special guest as well to wrap up the programme with me. And he'll be joining us uh, tomorrow, as will uh, Megan Murphy and others. So it's a, a full programme tomorrow, live uh, from Hedford. Try and get in early if you can. And we'll have a little bit of fun there. And you'd never know what could go right or what could go wrong. And we're on the Mayo border, lads. So we're going to have to be careful. Because Galway may beat Mayo yet. You'd never know. Now, though, let's head towards the news desk and join the news team for the 10 o'clock news.